how many of you are on social media of some kind, whether it's like Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, okay, different, different types of social media that we're on. Uh, all across social media this week, there was quite the buzz uh, over a new album that came out uh, by Kanye West. Now, how many Kanye West fans we got here today? Any kind? You know, uh, thank you. The, the only one in three services, just a couple of you in three services. Like everyone's looking at me like I got a third eye growing out of my head. How, you're talking about Kanye in church. Absolutely. Because this week, Kanye West put out a brand new album called Jesus is King. It's a Christian album. Uh, Kanye became a Christian. And his decision to follow Christ has been met with a couple of different reactions. There's been skepticism and doubt. And there's been joy and celebration. Um, but uh, a lot of skepticism and doubt, especially on the part of Christians um, who don't buy it. They don't believe it. They think it's some kind of a gimmick or some kind of a scheme. Maybe he just wants to sell albums to Christians. I don't know. But it's been met with a lot of doubt and skepticism. So I, the other day I'm in my office and uh, I, uh, I put on the new Kanye album. Uh, and I tell you what, it's a great album. It, it is really great. Uh, it is it is full of sick beats and dope rhymes. I'm telling you, it is. You came today expecting that, right? You came today saying Sean's going to say sick beats and dope, dope rhymes. But it is really good. It's a great album. And I want to actually read you the lyrics from one of the songs. Now, mind you, I'm going to read them. I am not going to rap them uh, because I am I am not Kanye West. I am not. I don't pretend to be. Um, I, I'm not saying I couldn't. I could let the flow go. But I'm just telling you right now. I'm not going to. I'm just not going to. So, but this is so. This is from a song called "Hands On." It features a, a gospel artist by the name of Fred Hammond singing in the background. And the words to this are gonna—they're gonna hit you right between the eyes. I'm telling you. So this is what he says: I deserve all the criticism you got. If that's all the love you have, that's all you got. To sing of change, you think I'm joking. To praise His name, you ask what I'm smoking. Yes, I understand your reluctancy. Yeah, but I have a request, you see. Don't throw me up. Lay your hands on me. Said I'm finna do a gospel album. See that? That's as close as it gets. Um, <laughs> what have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me. Make it feel like nobody loved me. They'll be the first one to judge me. Feeling like nobody loved me. Told, God, told people God was my mission. What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me, make it feel like nobody loved me. I'm telling you, man, that is so convicting, so convicting that, it, you know, someone comes to Christ. And what do the Christians do? Really? What about your past, Kanye? What about all the explicit lyrics in the past? What about your past behavior? What about the things you've done in your past? I got a question for you. What about your past? What about my past? What about the things that we've said? The things, what about the explicit lyrics in our past? Oh, I know. See, people come up to me and they're like, it's like you have a, a, a camera in my house. I do. <laughs> Some of y'all need a lot more Jesus. I'm just telling you. But in all seriousness, who are we to judge? Who are we to say... His conversion experience is real or not. Who are we to say? What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me. Make it feel like nobody loved me. Shouldn't be that way, folks. You know what's amazing? It's like 
um, God worked this out on purpose. I'm not saying he did. I'm just saying he did. Um, so like I've had this sermon planned for a couple of months now about the Apostle Paul and about how his, his conversion experience, how when the Apostle Paul was Saul and he became a Christian, like nobody believed it. It was met with skepticism and doubt. And it's like God said, I'm going to make Kanye become a Christian just so this works up perfectly with Sean's sermon. <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't do that. I'm just saying he could have. He could have. Probably not. But, um, but it's amazing how these two things came together. Like this, all this buzz and everything about Jesus is King and this album that Kanye put out. And then this sermon about the Apostle Paul. And so today we're going to talk about Paul. And how he became a follower of Jesus. And when he became a follower of Jesus, nobody believed it. We're in the middle of a series called What a Difference a Day Makes. And this series is all about people who had an encounter with God uh, and how it changed their lives. Uh, we talked about a man named Gideon. And Gideon was an Old Testament judge who saw himself as a wimpy weakling. But God saw him as a mighty warrior. And when God called him mighty warrior, it changed everything about Gideon. And he became a mighty warrior for God. And then a couple weeks ago, my friend Stephen came and preached a message about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man, a wee little man. Yes, climbed up in the, for the Lord he wanted. There you go. You all know the song. It's beautiful. You all went to Sunday school or VBS or something. But so Zacchaeus um, was a, an outcast oppressor. He was ostracized and outcast from his own people. Yet Jesus accepted him and ate with him and welcomed him. And changed his life in the best way possible. And then uh, last week we talked about the greatest event in history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what a difference that day made. Because that day made a difference for all eternity. When Jesus came back to life. Um, one of the things I want to encourage you. If you've missed any of our previous sermons. You can go online and find them at our website gfcc.net. Uh, or you can go to vimeo.com slash griffithfcc and find all of our previous sermons. So if you ever miss one and you want to find one, you want to watch an old one, uh, go to our website, gfcc.net. Click on watch a sermon. You can find all of our sermons there. Now, next week, we're going to start a new series called Put God First. Uh, and Put God First is all about seeking God first, loving God first, serving God first, and thanking God first. And how we're going to put God first in our lives. That as followers of Jesus, we need to be making God first in our lives. And serving Him, and loving Him, and seeking Him, and thanking Him first and foremost in everything that we do. So we're going to start that next week. Then we're going to go into December. We're going to do What a Difference a Day Makes, Christmas edition, and how the Christmas story uh, through the eyes of those who first experienced it and what a difference it made in their lives. Uh, and then we'll have our 2020 vision series uh, sermon uh, about looking forward to 2020 when we take the entire year and celebrate our 100th anniversary here in Griffith. Very excited about that. But for today, we're talking about the Apostle Paul, who I am calling the inconceivable cheerleader. The inconceivable cheerleader. Now, when I hear the word inconceivable, I immediately think of the movie The Princess Bride. Inconceivable. Um, it's like one of my, my absolute favorite movie of all time is, is The Princess Bride. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you've ever seen it, you know what that reference is to, and I won't do any more about that. But uh, if you brought a Bible, we're going to look at Acts chapter 9 today. And so if you have a Bible, turn to Acts 9. If you didn't bring one, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 890 of that Bible, or you can follow along on the GFCC app, all the Bible verses will be in the app. Now, one of the things you have to understand about the Apostle Paul is that his name was Saul. He was a Pharisee, a young 
Jewish Pharisee, and a Pharisee was someone who was passionate and zealous for God's law. The, the, specifically, the first five books of the, of the Old Testament is what's known as the Torah or the Pentateuch. Uh, it is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that uh, the apostle Paul, who when he was Saul, was a Pharisee, was passionate about God's law. He was a type A driven personality, like I said, zealous for the law of God, and, and really, um, to describe his passion for God's law, he was more passionate about God's law than Tom Skilling is about the weather. Uh, now, I'm a big Skilling fan. I'm a Skilling guy, all right? I'm a Skilling supporter, and uh, I'm, I'm a big Tom, big Tom guy. And so uh, Tom Skilling, to me, is the definition of passionate because about when it comes to weather, that man is passionate about weather. He knows more about a low-pressure system than, than anybody else, and he... he I mean, he's great, right? Any Skilling fans? Any Skilling supporters? Yeah, Skilling, man. But uh, he is passionate about the weather. The Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, when he was a Pharisee, he was more passionate about God's law than Tom Skilling is uh, about uh, a mesocyclone. I'm just crazy. So anyway, um, so the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, was this sold out, driven uh, to the point of like imprisoning Jews who became Christians uh, and overseeing their deaths. So his story actually begins at the end of chapter 7 of the book of Acts. And there's a, a Christian, a, a Jewish man who became a Christian. His name was Stephen, and he's about to be stoned to death. And what they would do typically in a, when they would stone somebody to death is they would take them, they would throw them off of a cliff and then drop big heavy rocks on top of them. That's how they stoned. It wasn't like throwing rocks at people. They would throw them off a cliff or a ledge and then just drop big boulders on top of them. And so Stephen is being stoned to death. And it says all the people who were stoning him brought their cloaks and their, clo and their coats. And they laid them at the feet of a young Pharisee named Saul. And remember, they are doing this in God's name. They are killing people in God's name because they became Christians. Chapter 8 begins this way. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, here's a little side note. Uh, back at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus tells his apostles, his disciples, that he, they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so up until Acts chapter 8, everybody's hanging out in Jerusalem. And then this great persecution breaks out against the church, led by Saul. This great persecution breaks out against the church, and it says they were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, which is the rest of Israel. It's amazing to me that God can take a negative, this terrible persecution that breaks out against the church, and scatters his people, and all the way, all along the way, they tell people about Jesus. Verse 2, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. That word the, in the ancient Greek, the, the phrase there, destroy the church, has the picture of an animal tearing apart its prey. That's the kind of uh, ferocity that uh, the Apostle Paul, that Saul had when it came to tearing apart the church. He was destroying the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I love that. That 
God takes this very negative thing. Jesus takes this negative thing of persecution. And what does he do? He strengthens the church through it. And he pulls people out of one situation and he puts them in another situation to where the church can grow. And that's exactly what happened. The church began to grow. When the book of Acts, I'm going to preach you the book of Acts next year. But one of the things that you're going to notice when we go through the book of Acts is that every time persecution breaks out against the church, the church grows. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? A little counterintuitive that why would the church grow when there's persecution? It's because people get serious about their faith. There are no more fence sitters when it's, when it's life or death. When it's torture or pain or imprisonment, you can't sit on the fence. The church is strengthened and the church grows when persecution breaks out. Something to keep in mind in the future, I'm just saying. Chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Now, Damascus uh, is a city that was about 150 miles from Jerusalem. So Saul is in Jerusalem. He goes to the high priest, the Jewish high priest, and asks for letters to take to the synagogues in Damascus so that if they find anybody who has become a Christian, any Jews who have, who have converted to Christianity, he's going to take them and throw them in prison. He's going to take them back to Jerusalem as his prisoners and imprison them. Like I said, it's about a two-week journey by foot from Jerusalem to Damascus. Verse 2, and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if, any found, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? One last little note here. Um, when you mess with Jesus's family, you mess with Jesus. Because what does he say? Why are you persecuting my people? No, he says, why do you persecute me? When you persecute my family, you're persecuting me. You mess with my family, you mess with me, Jesus says. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So they're going to take him into Damascus. Verse 7. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. So they don't see what's going on. They hear of some kind of sound, but they don't understand it. Verse 8. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So he does not eat or drink. He fasts for three days while unable to see. Verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Now, Straight Street is a street that is still in Damascus. It runs from east to west. It's in a little bit of a different location than it was in ancient Damascus, but it was an actual place. And I think the reason that Luke includes this detail is so that people reading the story of the church would know this is a real place. And this is a real event that really happened in real time. Uh, this isn't a, a made-up story. Uh, it's a real place in a real time. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias, by the way, that's you, come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. So Ananias is filled with skepticism and doubt. I've heard of this guy and I don't want to go talk to him. 
He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call in your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Verse 20 shows the change that has taken place in Saul's life. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Here's the thing. People remembered Saul's past, but God knew Paul's future. People had remembered Saul's past, but God knew Paul's future. Saul, his name was changed from Saul to Paul. And God knew his future. It didn't matter what Saul's past was. God knew his future. And I'm here to tell you today that it doesn't matter your past. Your past doesn't matter. God knows your future. And God has a future for you. We'll talk about that in just a second. I want to finish this little bit of a chapter here. Verse 23, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him <laughs> for good reason, right? Not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews. Those were Greek Jews, uh, Jews who would be, they were Greek people who became Jews, uh, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to his hometown of Tarsus. And it says the church enjoyed a time of peace after this, and God blessed it, and it grew. And uh, it's amazing what happens when God uh, confronts somebody, when, God, when people have an experience of God, and when God changes their lives. And, and that's exactly what happened for the Apostle Paul. Uh, and, and, you know, he kind of recounts his story uh, later on in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 22. And I will read just this little bit of a snippet about what Saul experienced uh, he was, this is about Ananias and what Ananias said to him. It says, then he said, Ananias, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away calling on his name. And that's exactly what Saul did. He got up, he was baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, washing away his sins and the rest, as they say, is history. Everything was changed from then on. This guy who persecuted Christians went on to write most of what we know as the New Testament. This guy who was a, a fierce opponent of Jesus became his biggest cheerleader. 
And so wherever you are today, you may think, you know what? God could never use me. God could never forgive me. God could never want me. I'm telling you, it's not true. God can forgive you. God does love you. God does want you. And God can use you to do great things for him. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. And so there's a couple things that we can learn from Saul's story that I want to share with you right now. The first is this. You are never too messed up for Jesus to save you from your sins. You are never too messed up for Jesus to save you from your sins. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. I don't care the mistakes that you've made, the sins that you've committed in your past. Those are in the past. And just like Saul, who killed Christians, and Jesus said, I will forgive you. I will wash away your sins. He imprisoned Christians. You are never too messed up for Jesus to forgive you from all your sins in the past. The past is the past, and it has passed. It is time now to step into a glorious future that God has for you. In 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, Paul was telling his young protege, the preacher Timothy, about his story. And I love what he says. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Here's the good news about this little passage. Is that as bad as you have been in your past... And you may look at your past and think, I have screwed up so many times. I have screwed up time and time. I have messed up relationships. I have messed up financially. I have messed up uh, in so many different ways. Emotionally, I have messed, I've hurt people. I, I've messed up relationally. I've just screwed up time and time again. And here's the thing. You will never be worse than the number two sinner of all time. You might be terrible. And you might be an awful person. Paul says he's the worst sinner who ever lived. So you can never be worse than number two. Yay! We're number two. We're number two. In reality, it's true. You are never too messed up. You, have, you, are, you, are, you are never too messed up for Jesus to save you from your sins. And I don't care what they are. I, I don't care. You, you abuse drugs or alcohol. You... you uh, were violent and angry, you had a terrible temper, you said things that hurt people, you said things that hurt your family, you said things that hurt your friends, you, you failed financially or failed at a job, you have never messed up too bad that Jesus can't forgive you. Secondly, you, you have never failed too much for Jesus to use you for his kingdom purposes. You have never failed too much for Jesus to use you for his kingdom purposes. Take it from one failure to another. You have never failed too much for Jesus to use you for his kingdom purposes. Because I look back on my past and the ways that I've messed up and the, the things that I've done and the failures I've had in my life. And Jesus still uses me to this day for his kingdom purposes. And so whatever past you have, 
whatever ways you've messed up in the past, whatever ways you failed, whether you failed financially or you failed a relationship, you failed professionally, whatever failures you have in your past, those are in the past. Jesus can forgive them all and he can use you in the future to change people's lives, to change the world, that Jesus can use you. You may think, no way, he can never use me. I'm, I'm too much of a screw-up. I've, I've failed too much. You've never failed as much as the Apostle Paul failed when he was Saul. If you've never killed another Christ, uh, somebody else for being a Christian, if you've never thrown somebody else in prison for being a Christian, you're one step ahead of the Apostle Paul. He was the worst of sinners, he said, the chief of sinners. You're no worse than number two. And so don't let... Don't let your past failures and, and your past mistakes and your past screw-ups keep you from a relationship with Jesus that can change other people's lives. Don't let those past failures keep you from following Jesus today. Because while other people may know your past, God knows your future. And he can do great things in your future. So how does this happen? First step, answer his call. Answer his call. Some of you are sitting there right there going, oh man, you're going to do this, aren't you? Yes, I am. You're thinking, how do you know? God is talking to you right now. Uh, I know that God is talking to you right now and he's calling you to do something. He's calling you to take a step of faith. He's calling you to get involved. He's calling you to to uh, serve in a ministry. He's calling you to join a group. He's calling you uh, to step up your dedication and commitment to him. He's calling you to take that first step of faith and maybe get baptized. And you can do that today. You can do that today. We have clothes that you can change into and warm water to get baptized in. Towels to dry off with. We even have a hair dryer if you have hair. For some of you, that's a big ip. Some of us, some of us. Uh. But you can take that step of faith today. Answer his call. He's calling you right now. And, and you're, you're, you're mad at me. I can feel it. You're, you're angry with me because it's like, why are you doing this to me, Sean? I'm not doing anything to you. God is calling you to answer his call. Next step, receive his grace. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, by believing in him and turning away from sin and repentance, confessing your faith and getting baptized, then today is the day to answer his call and receive his grace. Take that step of faith. We had two people do that last night. That after the service, they were like, I, we, we need to get baptized. And they got baptized last night. It's awesome what God is doing. And maybe today is your day. Maybe today is the day you need to take that step of faith and receive his grace. And if not today, if you can't do it today, come talk to me after the service and say, let's set up a time to do that. Maybe you're shy, you don't want to do it in front of all these strangers. That's fine. You can get baptized on a Tuesday. I got baptized on a Tuesday. You can get baptized on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Anytime, whenever you're ready, we're always ready for someone to take that step of faith. Next step, tell the world. Tell the world. That's what Saul did. When he became Paul, he told the world about the difference that Jesus made in his life, about the difference Jesus made. So I want to encourage you Tell the world about what a difference Jesus makes in your life. And do this two ways. One, uh, pray for an opportunity this week to tell somebody about Jesus. But be careful, because that's a prayer that God loves to answer. 
And the next thing you'll know, you'll be talking to somebody about Jesus and you'll be like, oh man, Sean was right. It's true. If you pray, God, give me an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus, he will do it. And be prepared to tell somebody about Jesus this week. If you pray that prayer and say, God, I want an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus this week. If you pray that prayer, you will get that opportunity this week. I promise you. Second thing, have a plan. Like, who do you want to tell about Jesus? Who do you want to tell about the Lord? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your uh, a brother or sister. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a friend, a coworker, an enemy. Whoever it is, have a plan. And just and start praying for that person. Lord, give me an opportunity to talk to Joe or Bob or Sarah or uh, Sally or whoever it is in your life you need to talk to about Jesus. Start praying for that person today. And tell the world about what a difference Jesus has made in your life. So I got a question for you. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? That's what Ananias asked Saul. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. What are you waiting for? Don't wait any longer. Today might be your day. This week might be your week. This month might be your month. This season might be your season. What are you waiting for? Don't wait any longer. Answer his call. Receive his grace. Tell the world about what a difference a day makes.